0: This is ISACA's Page 2 Podcast. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Brian Fletcher, a research advisor at ISACA, and joining me today is Dr. Yasmin Razaka, a research and academic advisory board member for the University of Fairfax and the American National University. She is here today to chat with us about her recent ISACA journal article titled, A Security Awareness Program for PCI DSS Compliance, Implementation, Legal and Ethical Issues to Be Considered. Yasmin, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, Brian. My pleasure.
0: So before we dive into your article, why don't you give us a little background about yourself and your experience for our audience?
1: I have about 25 years of experience in IT, airline, and fintech industries, mostly in uh, IT governance, risk, and compliance areas. I've spent about 18 plus years in Emirates airline where I found ample opportunities to implement best practices and frameworks and policies related to GRC. And uh, I recently completed my doctoral study in cybersecurity.
0: So, for those listening who may not be as familiar, can you provide a quick overview of PCI DSS and its importance?
1: Sure. PCI DSS, I'm sure everybody knows what it stands for. It stands for Payment Card Industry Data Security Standards. To give a brief history of PCI DSS, it all started way back in the late 1990s and early 2000s during the e-commerce boom. So people started making digital transactions using credit cards and debit cards, and the number of digital transactions really grew. As they grew, so did the number of data attacks and fraud using credit cards. So Visa, which is one of the credit card entities, started its own credit card information program in 1999. It set up a few security standards. And following that, MasterCard, Discovery, American Express, and JCB also came up with their own security standards. So think that you are a bank and you have to deal with Visa as well as MasterCard. You need to cater to the security requirements of both. There would be overlaps between the security requirements and there would be conflicts. So it is very difficult for an organization to be PCI compliant. So here's where uh, five big credit card entities like Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discovery and JCB came together and said, it's good to have a single standard. So they created PCI DSS version one in 2004. So this created a single framework or standard for data security for all organizations globally. Now, who exactly does this PCI DSS apply to? So any organization that stores, transmits, or processes credit card data has to be PCI compliant. So if you look at the credit card industry ecosystem, it could mean banks, it could mean issuers, um, acquirers, uh, merchants, uh, pharmacies, retailers, everybody involved in the ecosystem has to be PCI compliant. Now coming to the importance of PCI compliance, if you are an organization who's not PCI compliant and if you have a data breach, then Schemes like Visa and MasterCard can impose heavy fines and penalties on you, which can go up to about $100,000 per month. It could also vary with the size of your organization. So suppose you're a level one organization and processing transactions, say uh, over 6 million transactions per year, then your fines and penalties could be more. There is level two organization, which processes transactions from 1.5 to 6 million transactions per year. Level three, which processes from 20K to 1.5 million transactions per year, and level four, which processes less than 20K transactions per year. So the fines and penalties will depend on the size of the organization, as well as the period during which the organization has been non-compliant. I'll tell you an example, uh, which all might be aware of, is a Heartland uh, payment systems, which had to pay about $145 billion for uh, the data breach. And over that, they were also suspended from processing their credit cards for about 14 months. So it's not just the financial loss because of fines, penalties, and maybe the legal uh, repercussions and compensations that we provide to customers. It's also the repetition of the organizations that is lost. Hence, for any organization, PCI DSS compliance is important to have the basic level of security in place to protect their cardholder data.
0: So thank you, Yasmin, for that detailed answer to our previous question. I wanted to ask you about the 12 requirements that you mentioned in your ISACA article, which tend to be the most challenging for an organization?
1: Right, that's a very interesting question. Brian, actually, ISACA has summarized all the 12 requirements of PCI DSS very well. It starts off by saying that you need to have a firewall in place. It has to be properly configured. You need to reset your uh, vendor provided passwords. You need to encrypt your data that is stored, the data that is in transit. You should have an antivirus in place. You should uh, monitor your systems. You should do continuous vulnerability assessment and penetration testings. You should develop your software in a secure manner. It talks about uh, physical uh, security access. It talks about identity and access management. And it also talks about having logs managed correctly. But finally, the 12th requirement that it talks about is about security governance. It talks about how an organization should have an information security policy in place and how awareness needs to be created around this with the employees in the organization. Now, I feel that this requirement is most challenging. And you may ask why, because mostly organizations invest a lot in technology. They spend a lot in implementing intrusion uh, detection systems, VPNs, data leakage prevention systems but often the human element is ignored. In a recent study carried out by IBM, it was found that about 60% of the security threats are caused because of people in the organization. And two thirds of data breaches are also caused because of insider attacks. Now, this shows that hackers are uh, targeting the vulnerability of people And social engineering, for example, has become the easiest vector for data threats. So it's very important for the employees in the organization to be made aware of these vulnerabilities, to understand really what cardholder data stands for. What is secure authorization data? They need to understand these very clearly. And there are different players in in the whole ecosystem or the credit card industry. All of them need to be trained, which is very challenging. For example, even a cashier in an organization needs to be trained on how to detect proactively if the POS terminal has been tampered with or if there are any skimming devices added to it. So definitely it is challenging to create this awareness and governance for different stakeholders who are involved in cardholder data.
0: Yasmin, yeah, thank you very much for your answer. It was, I agree with your, premise that people are both our strongest and weakest link in our organization.
1: Absolutely,
0: Brian, yeah. So anyone that's done a PCI DSS audit, my next question is near and dear to their heart. So you note some vagueness in the PCI DSS requirements. What is an example of this and why is it so problematic?
1: Yes, that's an interesting question, Brian, because as per requirement 12.6 of PCI DSS, it says that awareness needs to be created to all affected parties. Now that's a very ambiguous statement because it doesn't say exactly or explicitly who needs to be involved in the awareness program nor does it say what are the delivery methods that we need to use for creating awareness. It doesn't say how often we need to do, it doesn't say what is the best practice in terms of whether it needs to be conducted in-house or whether it can be outsourced. So It's not very prescriptive in that requirement. Now, this can be problematic because we know that the audience involved in in the PCI DSS process is vast. And our training needs to be catered to different audiences. And different methods have been found to be more effective. Just having one method of just giving a training on policy or having tech talks or just having FAQs may not prove very effective so we may have to have different methods adopted like for example maybe have a uh, gameplay security related gameplay or maybe have uh, tabletop exercises have phishing simulations carried out uh, one of uh, the organization where i worked they used to send phishing emails free, uh, at regular intervals just to see which are the departments which fell for that and which fell prey to such emails And then a report would be sent to the department heads who could see if their employees required more training. So uh, getting everybody on the same page on what is the impact of not having PCI compliant is is I think uh, very challenging.
0: So I agree with you. I actually enjoyed the one-on-one discussions a lot of times in training with previous organizations I was in, especially after our fishing tests where they would say, well, what did I miss? And you'd walk them through it and, it and you know, you see their their eyes light up and say, oh, that. And it was very empowering for them to, to be able to understand.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: So that being said, what are the keys to an effectively addressing insider threat in your PCI DSS context?
1: Yeah, uh, Brian, like I had mentioned in my article, insider threats can be of two types, one, It could be just because of careless workers who are negligent and because of human errors or mistakes. And secondly, it could be because of malicious attacks carried out by the employees in the organization. So it has been found that there are five common types of insider attacks that happens in organizations. Number one, as I said, is that people are a bit negligent about their duties and make mistakes. So those are the careless workers. Who make mistakes like system admins, which can cause data breaches. Secondly, there could be dis- disgruntled uh, employees who want to take revenge on the organization and cause malicious attacks and disruptions to the business uh, processes. Third, it could be um, because of insider agents who are placed in organizations to steal data for other purposes, fourth it could be uh, malicious attacks caused by employees for their own personal gains by taking the data and selling it and lastly there could be third-party vendors or consultants within the organizations who really don't understand your company policy and they may step over it so most of the causes are mainly unintentional hackers really take advantage of users' vulnerabilities to social engineering, phishing, and hence it's important that the users change their behaviors and attitudes and have some ethical values and morals. And that's where the organization needs to play a major role in including the ethical behaviors and norms into the awareness sessions. Because the employee ethics and culture are definitely a big threat to information security in an organization.
0: Thank you so much, Yasmin. So you alluded to this in your previous answer. Maybe we can expand upon it a little bit more. So what is the role of security awareness training in meeting the PCI DSS requirements?
1: Right. So basically periodic security awareness and training can prevent employees falling prey to these kinds of attacks like social engineering and phishing. So it it, it can't be a one-time activity. It has to be reinforced often and with various audiences. It has to be carried out in different methods because you can't have just one single method of doing a training. Like I mentioned earlier, several methods need to be used. Emotional marketing has been found to be one of the effective methods recently for creating awareness among employees, like telling them about the attacks that have happened and the kind of loss that organizations have faced. So we know the major data breaches that have happened with Warner Music Group, with Adobe, with Target, with Equifax and the Heartland payment systems that I mentioned earlier. So this emotional marketing is one way of getting attention of employees to understand what are the implications of not being compliant and to prevent themselves from falling into vulnerabilities that hackers really are looking for, which are people related.
0: That sounds great. And thank you for that detailed answer. So on that same text, you talked about challenges related to a security awareness training, which of these do you consider the most overlooked by management?
1: I myself have faced some of uh, these challenges while creating um, security awareness programs. And the, the there are four main, main challenges which management really face. The first thing is to do with lack of resources. So some of the resources who provide training may also be involved in operational activities and sometimes they take precedence and they have to prioritize those when compared to training. So training takes a backseat. Sometimes organizations don't have budgets for training. They don't have the support or separate budget for training. They're part of the IT budget. So these training programs are never planned or uh, properly executed. Secondly, if you're a large organization and you have your employees who are located globally in different regions, then they may be operating at different time zones. Um, you need to cater to that. They would be shift workers. They would be remote workers. And you may also want to consider providing training in their local language. There could be cultural differences. So all these needs to be considered while creating the training awareness program. Then thirdly is uh, the training content. How do you deliver your training? What are the methods that you can use? How How do you make it interesting? And what is the frequency of your training. So you need resources if you want to cover the entire global organization. So you need to plan for that. So these are some of the challenges. But I think the biggest challenge is the behavioral change that is required out of the training awareness program. Uh, And the reason why I say that is because, like I said earlier, uh, it's easy to implement technical solutions, but to get users to report to some suspicious activity uh, without hiding them and to get them to know whom to contact in case of a suspicious activity or proactively inform of any malware that they notice. I think that is challenging. Getting all of them to uh, report on such incidents and be proactive Uh, the behavioral change of having this attitude and thinking that it is each one's responsibility. Security is a responsibility of each individual. I think uh, that is most challenging.
0: Yes, yes. I totally agree to quote a former math teacher of mine. The people part of the equation is always the hardest. Yes. So in that phase, whom else in an organization besides management do you need to include in your cybersecurity awareness program?
1: Uh, Before answering that question, I would just like to say that a typical credit card transaction takes just about two seconds. But within that two seconds, there are multiple entities involved uh, to make that happen. Within an organization, if you see system administrators, apart from security team, then there are risk management team, there is this compliance team, then we have a procurement and logistic team, learning and development team. In fact, all of these need to be involved in the security awareness programs. If you look at a big merchant, if you see even a cashier, like I mentioned before, he needs to know if his post terminal uh, has been tampered with or if any skimming de- device has been attached to it. So every individual who's involved in the end-to-end credit card data environment needs to be involved in um, security awareness training. I can give you an example of the recent uh, colonial pipeline ransom attack, which all of us are aware of. The attack happened through a VPN account which got compromised. That account was not being used at all and it was not deprovisioned or decommissioned. So that was one flaw. And secondly, the account didn't have multi-factor authentication as well. So Although the company invested a lot in monitoring tools and security tools, I think there has to be a combination of process and people element also along with the technology. Whenever a new uh, service goes live, along with it, there are servers, databases, firewall rules, SSL certificates, dedicated internet links, ports, everything which goes live. how many organizations really do a cleanup when the service goes down? There has to be a clear process of decommissioning all of the related components associated with that service. So if you look at it, then the configuration management team also needs to be involved in training. So what I mean to say is that at each department level, at each individual level, everybody needs to be responsible and part of the security awareness training.
0: I couldn't agree more, Yasmin. Thank you very much for that answer. So on that same theme, what are our primary legal and ethical considerations when we're looking at our security awareness program?
1: Brian, uh, I think now we we, we have clearly understood that employee behavior and ethical values are of primary concern to IT security. So uh, unlike GDPR, we know that PCI DSS is, it's not a law, it's a regulation. And people need to understand that there are legal implications of not being PCI compliant. So uh, we have also seen that Target had a major data breach in 2013, where it had to spend about more than $200 million in terms of compensating its customers. About 40 million credit card details were compromised as part of that attack. So, our employees need to be aware of the legal repercussions in terms of fines, penalties, and uh, also the compensation that needs to be given to our customers. In terms of ethical values, they need to make sure that they don't fall prey to social engineering, which is one of the biggest vectors for data attacks. They need to be careful about phishing emails, about ransomware attacks. Overall, I think. Um, the organization has to have a culture where the ethical values and attitudes and behavior of people also need to change, which plays a major role in uh, PCI DSS compliance. So it's a major culture shift that I would say, and uh, any amount of PCI uh, compliance will fall short if this culture shift doesn't happen.
0: Yasmin, thank you so much for your input and being involved in PCI DSS. I totally agree with you. It is all about the culture and the ethics, how a organization addresses PCI DSS. So that's about all the time we have for the day. So I'd like to wrap it up by thanking Yasmin for taking time to chat with us about her ISACA journal article concerning PCI DSS.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me here.
0: I hope all of you learned something about PCI DSS as I did today. And I wanna thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Page to Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode.